<laughs> hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical <laughs> That's eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode a little bit of a drinking game. Mm -hmm. So anytime we say anything negative about a film, each other, our guest host, you're going to hear this sound. You're going to hear it that a lot. That sound means that we're going to take a drink and we hope you drink along with us. So... Pour yourselves a glass. We discuss Ooh. a movie about the ultimate deadbeat dad who went all the way to fucking Neptune to avoid child support. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Remember when he got billed on the spaceship to, to um, the moon? They're like, yeah, it's going to be $150. And he's like, just put it on the fucking corporate yeah. card. What Dude, they nailed, they nailed the in-flight charges. Was it like the pillow yeah. and blanket? Yeah, yeah that's right. Pillow blanket, $100. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. Delta's charging per headphones these days. I mean, come at me, what, Delta. What kind of world? <laughs> hey, that Delta Skyline. You, you can't make fun of Delta on the show. No, corporate consolidation sucks now. Okay, people, welcome to the Love of Cinema podcast. We are going to be talking about films for the year 1991, thanks to our random year generator, which we started doing before the strike, and we're going to keep doing because we love doing it. I just said 1991. 1991. <laughs> we did a great 1991 where we talked about Point Break, but today we're going to be talking about. 2019 part one we're doing a two-parter this week sorry i'm gonna take my little drink here we're starting with james gray's ad astra with a little napoleon mini review at the top for the mm -hmm. two of us that saw napoleon <laughs> this weekend an opening weekend because he's small um, and then in part two released a couple days after part one i thought i got away with it Part two of our 2019 episode, we're going to be talking about Frozen 2 because our Frozen 1 episode, which I was not a part of, included our guest here, Mark, who took over for me while I was in a U-Haul. And I got to listen to these three guys talk about a movie musical, even though I teach fucking music to kids. I wasn't there he, that day. He wasn't moving either. He was fucking kidnapped. It was the most times anybody said the word fuck in a podcast talking about Frozen. In the history of podcasts. <laughs> for a while there, also held the, the record for the most number of buzzers in a single show. Really? And it yeah. was then only broken by the same guest co-host <laughs> when we talked about Conan the Bi Barbarian. You've Ladies held, and yes, gentlemen. Mark, Mark, you have held both of both the records of oh, the show. Oh, no. If you know our show, you know we love the uh, Matt and Mark on the show. So back with us here is Mark Monstrosky. Mark, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's Woo! nice to be back. Hopefully, it will break some more records. We are okay. Da yeah. <laughs> Damn it already. <laughs> Dave is certainly hoping Christ. so. Mark, anything you want to plug before we get into uh, the episode here? Anything that you and Matt yeah, have been I, up to? And I guess I'll up? plug the Matt and Mark show. Um, that I fucked up. I fucked up our title. Hey, I had a shot of tequila, so I'm totally gonna screw this up now. But wait, it's not even tequila. It's not even tequila. It's mezcal. Oh yeah. It's oh, Mad Mark show. That's so good. All right, oh, away. But yeah, we're taking a break, but we'll be doing Patreon episodes, which will be super fun, and uh, and then the show comes back. I think in December or mid December. So cool. We'll be taking a little break. You guys taking a break because you're, are, are you fine? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like, it is. it's sort of like the holidays. You kind of need a break. So we're just having a little sure, bit of call. Yeah. But we're still doing the Sure, if you like your family. 
<laughs> you are still so, you are still releasing the Patreon stuff. Which yeah, is cool. I do support you guys. Matt and I get it along awesome. really well. It's sort of yeah, like our hangout good. for our you know. We used to go to movies like every week, so now it's just been replaced since we're both in two different areas. So this happens, but it's a fun we've been show there, to do. Man. No, we've here. been there. Well, we've we love seeing movies with you, Dave, and I saw Cocaine Bear with you, which was really fun. <laughs> yes. We also saw. Did we see Renfield together? Probably not. And then we also did saw we? Indiana Jones. Yeah, I don't think so. And then we saw uh, Indiana Jones with you in the same the theater. Yes, Angela. Oh, said that's she the really... one where I bought like five tickets. <laughs> yeah. Angela yeah. said she can't wait line. to she can't wait to someday qualify for the handicap seat so she can sit next to you at the movies. She can't wait. <laughs> sorry, I was actually that, thinking but... though, I think I told Dave this, but I'd love to get two of those A-list accounts so I can at least block the other seat. That's my goal. Wait, yeah. but when we we were in Dolby Digital. Those seats are huge. You can't. Eat, you're like so far from the person. Next I just to you anyway. don't like sitting next to people. <laughs> I just don't like people, people in general. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a good point. When I was still living in New York, when I was still living in New York, I thought your coveted seat was uh, row F in the Times Square Dolby Atmos. Oh, have you have you changed? No Times Square. That place is full of bed bugs. Whoa. So I, I'm always I'm always really at Sixty Eighth Street. <laughs> oh, I got buzzed well, for bu- that. I mean, hey, he's giving them. Uh, they clean it up. They clean it up. I, I haven't got a single say. bed bug. I, I, I've had screenings fucked up, but I haven't had a single bed bug. I will say this is true because Dave has complained about the AMC Times Square more than anybody else in the history here, and here he is saying, "Correct yourself. No bed bugs there. That is oh. sticking up for a fucking AMC Times yeah. Square. Wait, wow. the, the floor the is line. sticky. The That's seats the are broken. The projectors don't work. But no, there's no bed bugs." By the way, this is this is true. In, in the three times I've gone to the Dolby uh, at 68th Street, all three times a mouse runs out in the center aisle, goes to the seat where I am, looks at me, and then runs back. No. And I've are told you... them about this three times, and it's still there. Yeah, they're like, no. dude, you're watching a fucking Disney film. That's the opening logo. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> Mouse House. All right, all right, guys. We're gonna be talking That's how about all Marvel movies start now. All right, we're gonna be good and toasty when we talk about Frozen Two. So if you like this episode, please listen to our Frozen Two episode. It's gonna be fun. Let's go ahead and shout our sponsors out. Then we'll get into our Napoleon mini review, and then we'll talk about what was going on in 2019, and we'll talk about Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt, 2019, a movie that apparently people said, "Nah, I don't want to see another space movie this year," even though it made its money back. John, you want to shout our sponsors back? Sure. We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozzo. You can find him at cbarozzo.beer. We also have a music artist in residence known as Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. And uh, he's available on all the usual music platforms. Go stream that music. Or you could be like Matt and Mark and take his money in the Patreon account because he supports right. you guys. He loves your He loves them so, so much, much more than us. He doesn't despite give Despite his generous money. offering of his, despite the music he gives us. Yeah. Oh, can I, can I thank him publicly that, yeah, for, yeah, for recommending <laughs> The Night House because Matt refuses to see it. So it was very kind of him to The re- Night House. Yes. I've only ever made it halfway through that. Yeah, he's. I think he's. He's reviewed. He's. He, he told me he's recommended a few things to you guys, and you just fucking crashed. Captain Phillips or something. Come on, Captain oh Phillips. There was a couple more. I am the captain. There what was do you another mean? one that he really liked, and he just heard you guys just fucking destroy We're it. So he, he sorry. Got out of it. <laughs> I'm not I sorry. No, man. But it's okay. Yeah, if you want uh, to publicly thank him, you should do it on your show, though, because he doesn't listen to ours. But uh, he will. <laughs> also, he says. <laughs> Wait, who? Oh, he was. Dave. 
No, he doesn't. He actually, I, I, to, to Brandon's point, I will say, you guys, I'm wondering if we should start announcing what movie we're going to do on the episode because I think people used to listen to what they were going to watch the next week and they might watch some movies from that year. And then we start ruining it for watching, them. And Wait, he, I just noticed that like, one of our regular listeners. He watches till the end? You know what I mean? Wow. He makes it to the end? He's no, no, like when, when we used to do the random year generator, yeah. when we used to do it, we would yes, announce we would. the year, yeah. and we would announce the movie, I'm, and then some people would watch movies from that year to build up to the following week. I'm totally fine to do that. It's got to be much quicker than the fucking text thing we've got going on in the middle of like, all through the week. <laughs> Which is great. I would love that we this week, we by used the way. To take a break. Angela's birthday next week. I would love to decide right away. Although our break lasted half an hour sometimes. We were fighting over movies. Mom and dad are fighting <laughs> over what I'll movie just, to watch. I'll just... Um, <laughs> I'll just clap and give Dave a nice audio mark and then I'll clap again when we're done and you can just cut all everybody's out. Oh no, there. don't don't that? worry, I'm good. I've got a little audio marker I put in this thing now. It's it's so high pitched, I don't think I can hear it. We just lost half our audience, so we gotta move sexy. on into <laughs> Speaking of sexy. Section two. Yeah. Okay, so Napoleon came out in theaters this week. This is Ridley Scott's epic about you guessed it, Napoleon. I don't want to spoil much, but um Napoleon did die. Yeah, so, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's how they get those three flavors to sit together without blending. All right, so if you're new to the show, so keep us talking about some new movies, but without taking over too much time, we're going to be doing mini reviews. Really? So we talk about movies that were just released, spoiler free, five minutes tops. Mark, I believe you and I are the only ones who went out and saw Napoleon. Damn. Mark's going to get that well? joke at about 3 a.m. too. No, I um, got it. <laughs> um, let, let's let, let's Is that let a Neapolitan the- joke, right? <laughs> I guess it was. Let's let, let's let one of the other twos. Yeah. You don't have to laugh at his shitty <laughs> welcome, welcome Okay, I'll just buzz him then. <laughs> well, we're recording here on Sunday, so it is still the weekend. But let's let somebody who didn't see the movie go ahead and give us the numbers while we talk about whether or not we like the movie. Mark, Napoleon, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, and a whole bunch of people that you may or may not recognize, kind of starts from French Revolution all the way through Napoleon's, again, spoiler, he dies at some point in history. Somewhere through there, it goes through. Mark, did you like the movie? I actually enjoyed it. It wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be more military battles rather than his back and forth uh, letters. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I thought it was. It looked gorgeous. It's a an amazing looking film. I I I like those battle sequences. I thought he did a good job. Sometimes it's weird when the French with English accents are fighting the British with English accents, <laughs> and then also the French people have American accents. So there were certain parts where I was like, who's who? I couldn't figure it out. It's not oh, like it was, the Oh no, it was Dune all over again. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was great. What did you think? I really liked it. I think this is one of those where like two things can be true. I really liked it. And if I really wanted to, I could also rip it to shreds, but I, I really don't want to because by rip it to, I don't mean rip it to shreds like I know all the things they got wrong. I mean rip it to shreds in the sense that like there are definitely things to gripe about with this movie. Um, you do feel the runtime. It's two hours and 38 minutes. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about the I think I think the honest to God truth is it's sort of centerless or I don't want to say pointless, but it's like I don't know exactly. It, it's toggling a bunch of different tones. So like a lot of do it you, is about like do you Josephine get the feeling of why was this story made? Um, uh, you know me. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't. It. I never ever want to say like they shouldn't have made this movie or why did they? No, make it's this it's movie? more. I don't want that. You're sitting there going, well, what was so special about this story that we don't already know? Like why was this? Why was and this you know elevated? What? 
I mean, I guess I'm sure some people will. But it, the, again, with to Mark's point, the battle sequences are so good, and the military through line I think was great. It could have been more. I don't think it should have been, but it could have been. But the the battle sequences, there's no way you can leave this movie without being really struck by the battle sequences. I don't want to give too much away, but the first there's no way you can leave this win, movie without a UTI. The it's first military five minutes long. <laughs> All right, the first military win in which he gets promoted, and then the, there's an ice battle later that is sort of a surprise kind of thing. Is so fucking cool. Like you, you can't sit there and say they aren't. But then there's also a lot with the wife, the Josephine character, uh, who's played by Vanessa Kirby. But it's not exactly like Abigail and John Adams. It's like it comes in and it sort of becomes this like co- quirky comedy, and like Napoleon's kind of bumbling, and they kind of like have this weird rapport, and he like has really bad sex, but like they still fall in love. And that's They're very fun. toxic for each other. Very toxic, for sure. But that's Ooh. not like the center of the movie. It is for some times. And then you have this military prowess, but then you also have the political stuff. And so it kind of like, it's sort of all over the place as far as the tone. And you're like, is this just about power? Is it just about the politics? Is it just about the French Revolution just immediately turning to a fucking king again? Like, is that what it's about? And I, I don't know if it decides. So it's sort of centerless. But at the same it time, cor- it's so fucking fun and entertaining. It sort of like glosses over a lot of things. It sort of, it feels like it's giving you like a brief glimpse into his life, and maybe could have been yeah. it may may have been longer perhaps. And maybe weird? you will get a director's cut that's like four hours long. Who knows? But I thought it was handled really well. But I do agree with you. Sometimes like it came across as comedic because anytime he encountered a problem, it was always like cannons. It was, he lined yeah. up cannons and then as soon as there was a problem, then you'd see him cover his ears and do this. Yeah. And then the cannons would fire. Yeah. So it just felt like that his, was his reaction to any sort of adverse thing that happened. He would just blast people with cannons, <laughs> which I kind there of were, enjoyed. Why, why is there the were so many cannons? Not on the menu. There were, <laughs> yeah, there were so many cannons in this movie. So anyway, I, I think is I think this movie was really awesome. I think it was really cool. Sometimes you really feel the length, and at the same time, it's kind of like, well, maybe if it was longer, it would have been better. But maybe if it was shorter, like Gladiator, where they just all of a sudden it's the final battle, and you're like, wait, how did he become a global celebrity already in like a half an hour of Gladiatorism? So anyway, I, I don't. I think it was really cool, but I just think it was centerless. That's what I think. Gladiatorism. Gladiatorism. Um, it, I think it is worth pointing out that um, this project. This project was initially developed for like 17 years or something by Stanley Kubrick. It was like this project that he had been working on for <clears throat> for for so long and he he never felt like he was quite ready to make it. Apparently he was still intending to make it. It was one of those that he just never let go. So that along now with we'll AI, never know. I know everyone, everyone just nod and pretend like he's still talking. <laughs> Oh no! You yeah, can't. you're back. Uh, it's fine. Okay. Our YouTube viewers oh, are shit. confused, but, the, but, the, but the, <laughs> yeah. the podcast people aren't. So you keep yeah, going. And we'll pretend like <laughs> you're talking about. Okay, okay, I will keep going. Uh, the project passed along with AI to Steven Spielberg, and then I think Napoleon was kind of land, live, like languishing in development hell for a very long time. So it is kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of cool that we got to see that. And Oppenheimer was also very, very long developed initially by. Um, um, God damn it! JFK, Platoon, Oliver Stone. Stone, Oliver Stone. No, he would have done a good version. Oliver yeah. Stone. Oliver all Stone. of these versions so would have been cool good. That, like, they all would have been like, good. Really. Yeah. Anyway, so it's cool. It came to fruition. I can't wait to see it. Did but, you, uh, I did kinda, you hear the op- I'm here. The Oppenheimer. Uh, uh, 4K release came out, and you can't get a copy of it anywhere. It's like fucking sold out. Which one? Like of the, what? The Oppenheimer no, release. I didn't hear that. Oh, really? Oh, has it happened? They yet? dropped. They dropped it on physical, and you can't buy it anymore. 
it's sold it's out. okay the movie stunk <laughs> yeah <laughs> jesus mark god you guys are yeah fucking busting um I say, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm also i'm not gonna i'm not gonna gripe this but we're having that problem again where we need more fucking imax screens at these theaters because i we like saturday during the day angela really we really wanted to see this but fucking wish came out and that has an imax oh, format what? and so you could only see this in the morning or at night because the midday family times all went to wish and Damn. then and, and the hunger games is still getting big formats this week and the second week and then next week fucking um i mean the beyonce movies coming out and it's gonna so. take over all of them and then yeah. wonka and then um uh, Aquaman, and so you have like, there's just not enough big screens. Where uh, Oppenheimer know, somehow hit the sweet spot. God, Oppenheimer hit the fucking Dolby sweet Digitals. spot. Where not only did it have like a bunch of weeks like lined up, but then the strike happened anyway, so movies weren't coming in. So Oppenheimer was in the 70 millimeter IMAX at Lincoln Square for like two months. Yeah. And now you're gonna have now you're gonna have Wonka, which by the way, I I think they're hiding Timothy Chalamet in this trailer. You like hear him, but like don't see him talk in the trailer. You see him, and then you hear him talk in a voiceover. I'm just I, I'm not starting conspiracy theories. I'm just curious about yes i am i'm fucking sorry anyway <laughs> wait you get buzzed for conspiracy theories what's going on it was you definitely know. negative for sure anyway i need more i need more imax movie any more screens any more imax screens in these theaters i'm sorry they don't have to be as big as the lincoln square one but i just i need more you know, no they while, do while we're while we're on the topic of uh yeah, of petty gripes okay. um go see napoleon I have, I have a little one uh yeah go, go and see napoleon i'm 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 probably going to see it as well, um, just for the experience. But I just want to quickly talk about Disney Marvel. Start the one-minute grind timer. Dave. <laughs> Start the one-minute. Are you going to talk about how the, the Christmas movie and the Valentine's movie should be switched or what? No. Uh, okay. What I'm pissed off about is I've been trying for about two weeks now to pre-order the Marvels. And it is not available. Now, I used to be able to walk out of the theater on the same fucking day. I walked down the theater after seeing Spider-Man, pre-order. I walked down the theater after seeing, you know, any any other one of those films that I wanted to have in my collection, pre-order. And it was fine. They are not putting this up for pre-order. And I want to fucking know why. Marvel's because everyone's talking, everyone's talking about how much the Marvels didn't make and how much the Marvels was bad. And that's, no one's talking well, about Well, now the you know that, why. Well, now, yeah. No, no I one's, think you answered no, your own no, question. No, no one's still talking about... I, I preemptively buzzed you there. No one's talking about how, like, the Marvels is the highest grossing film by a female black director and things like that ever in the history of film. Um, and I, I actually really fucking enjoyed it. And I want to pre-order it, and it's not available for pre-order, and I'm pissed off. Which is funny because we're going to be talking about <laughs> Disney making a shit ton of money when we talk about Frozen 2 in our part two episode coming up here. And when we get to talking about 2019, we'll talk more about Disney making a lot of money. But Dave, good point. Very good. Because what I know about Disney is they know how to market yeah. and they know how to make money. And I feel They've like they the are ball. baffled by their own appointments of Marvel. They don't even know how to handle their own fucking studio that they bought in this time, in phase, whatever they're on now. I feel like they don't know how to, I don't know. That's like the one hole in Disney having any idea of what they're doing, apart from the recent like corporate. I agree, but that was negative. <laughs> I think they just like buying properties and running them into the ground. Yeah, it's That's not fucking it monopoly. Like. It's like, yeah. John, any thoughts King's about that? <laughs> any friends of yours getting hired by Disney to um, produce a right that you, uh, you want to protect here or what? No, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I think it's a funny... John's like, move on, move on. I think I think your gripe speaks to the... Uh, 
pandemic of fandom that we're experiencing i should be able to walk out of a movie theater and pre-order a movie like come on dude like what i i have i've been up to i've been able to john's remembering the time when like no you can like a year before the vhs you can pre-order it like and you've been able to up until this point you can pre-order it you don't get it for two or three months but you can pre-order it so you can go all right i want to buy that right now because i really enjoyed it done the movie gets more money it's I don't I don't see what the disconnect here is. Like, why is this one not up for pre-order when everything else has been? Until they open the vault, and then there's going to be a Pizza Hut ad at the beginning of it. <laughs> That's for people in the nineties. Yeah, I'm not even buzzing that. That was, that was good. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Did it do right. really bad though? Which one? Like, I didn't. I don't know anything about it. I was going to see it, but it was out of my theater so quickly. Okay, yeah, highest grossing film by a female black director. It is the lowest grossing film. It's the lowest grossing Marvel film. It's the lowest lowest grossing Marvel film, and that's the headline. That's what everyone's focusing on. (laughs) But at the same time, of course it's going to be, because it's, and it's not their fault. You know, it's momentum. It's you're only as good as the last movie you made. And, you but know, to Mark. Dave's point, if it was the lowest grossing, you'd probably want people that actually liked it to pre-order immediately. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because there's pl- there's a lot. Dave of Dave is trying to save Disney. Trying to save Disney. <laughs> no, I went. I went and had a good <laughs> time with the film. Let you know? do it. All right, you guys ready to? Yeah. yeah. You guys ready to talk sure. about 2019? Yeah. So 20. So sure. 2019 is the year that Disney Studios made over $10 billion to worldwide box office in one yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel sorry for them. Let's all take the high and low but, on. But they don't want let's my, take, they don't want my 20 bucks. Let's all take the high and low. <laughs> What's the over-under on Damn. which made more money, Rise of Skywalker mm. or uh, Endgame? Uh, I think you know the answer of, of that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not sure. I don't know where I would put my money on which one made more money. Uh, I'm pretty end sure it was Endgame. Sure? Endgame made so much more money. I would guess Endgame, but I don't know. I, I mean, would probably guess Endgame. Too, so, you, so you don't trust the numbers? Guaranteed billion dollar movies? Yeah, see, Ry- Rise of Skywalker had like a female in a lead role, so that's not going to make as much as Endgame in America. <sighs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think it's still the number three movie of all time. Um, one, four. Number four movie of all time. Avatar, Titanic... Okay, anyway, um, nine movies made a billion dollars. Nine, a worldwide. Mm. Can they you guys name Jesus, five of insane. them? Oh uh, my God almighty, Jesus Name Christ. five movies that made a billion dollars uh, in 2019. There's nine total. What were the other we've, animated We've talked films. about several of them, I think, some an- at some point. Don't look my them up. Don't look them up. I see the screen. I see the screen brightening your face. Fuck it. This is terrible audio. If you're just going to look it up. Um, Avengers Endgame was obviously number one. It came out in December. So most of the money they made. No, that was from the Fuck everybody. Um, that came I have out a bad in, memory, so I won't remember any of that. That came out in 2018. But this is this Lion is on King? Wikipedia. Lion King, Lion King <laughs> made $1.6 billion. Oh, Frozen. We'll talk about Frozen 2, but that was number three. Um, Far From Home made a ton of money. Aladdin that technically came out at the end of 2019. Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Toy Story 4 made a billion dollars. The Rise of Skywalker again made a billion dollars. Joker made a billion dollars. <laughs> Damn. And Aladdin made a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. That's, That's right. crazy. Joker made a billion dollars. Yes, Joker did make a billion dollars. I yeah. mean, Jeez. yeah, the Joker is what the one thing that will get every DC Holy fan shit. off their fucking ass in the theater. The Joker is like has a huge fandom. 
It's What's weird that the too? king of comedy probably got like a fraction of that, even though it's the same movie. <laughs> yes. like, I had one yeah. a billion like, dollars. Same yeah. <laughs> um, but, 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 that, but that's a good, that, I think that's really the story is that we were on this path where it was almost like, how is the bubble not bursting? Hobbs and Shaw made 760. Jumanji That's 2. That's insane, actually. The next Hobbs level. and Shaw. Yeah, it's made 760. Jesus. Jumanji, the next level, almost $800, billion, oh, $800 million worldwide. How to that Train Your Dragon, The too. Hidden World, made over half a billion half a billion dollars. Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil, made 489. I haven't seen it, Chapter of 2 made 467. Tons mm. and tons and tons Jeez. and tons of movie of, of money. And then now people don't want to go back to the theaters. It all this pandemic, like everybody just shifted entirely. And of course streaming took over. We can talk about that until forever. Um really quick, um we're talking other big movies that came out this year. Ford vs. Ferrari was sort of on our list. The Irishman was dropped on Netflix. That was a big thing. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Little Women, Marriage Story. And Little Women in 1917 was the basis for our first ever podcast, my friends. Yes. Little Women, uh, episode one, Little Women and, oh. sorry, 1917. <laughs> we also talked about Cats. That was, was a really good burp. Damn. Have to watch that. Thank and you so nice much. Definition. And Joaquin Brian, Prejudice, wanna... and Zombies. <laughs> Joaquin won his Oscar. Renee Zellweger won her second. People tend to forget. Don't forget, Renee Zellweger won her second. Brad Pitt category frauded his way to an Oscar. We'll talk about him more here in a second, but he was definitely not a supporting lead in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Laura Dern won for Marriage Story. I feel like those, some of those are just like distant memories, even though it was only a couple years ago. Mm. Taika Waititi won for Jojo Rabbit, and he has been in threesomes every day ever since. Anybody? You guys follow your wife? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you guys, you guys don't follow Taika, do you? Okay, so I, I, Toy Story yeah. Four won animated only film. Fans or something? <laughs> uh, Ford vs Ferrari beat Ad Astra for best sound editing, um, and Joker won score for Hildor, um, who's back. Elton John won, Bernie Taupin won an Oscar. Nineteen Seventeen won some shit. Roger Deakins wins his second Dave, mm. and then other notable movies include Bombshell, The Lighthouse, but. Going on around the world, lasting I'll say, Hong Kong protests, the college audition scandal. Shout out, Felicity Huffman. Oh, Notre wow. Dame Cathedral caught fire. Sorry, yes. Quasimodo. And in other events, uh, the Amazon burned eight, 80,000 fires were lit in the Amazon rainforest, the most in a decade, and burned yeah. an area the size of New Jersey into the middle of the most important rainforest in the world. Thanks a lot, global warming. The House impeached Donald Trump for the first time, and in 2019, Brexit was supposed to leave the European Union, but Prime Minister Theresa May had her plan voted down three times in the House of Commons, so she had to get the fuck out of Dodge. Boris Johnson won a Conservative Party majority and took him forever until finally in December 20th, he's somehow in a snap election, which sounds totally reasonable. England decided they could leave the EU by the end of January 31st, 2020, and they suck even more for it. Thanks a lot, Britain. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to talk about a movie that hates Britain, so I feel like we can start to hype it up now. Anybody want to highlight anything else from 2019 before we move on? God, no, we're 27 minutes segment. in. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get complaints. <laughs> anything else? I think there was a little, I think there was a little virus Oh yeah, it was named after this year. The, the uh, coronavirus. <laughs> oh yeah, coronavirus. Like when, you know, Wait, the, did I say parasite? By the way, did the parasite the win everything? Yeah, I said parasite, right? Yeah, you didn't mention it, but yes. We, we, <laughs> we, 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 we talked about parasite on the show. We talked about a lot of shit from nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen show. Parasite, guys, <laughs> parasite, and memories of a murder. Which we talked about, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have talked about that. That's true. 
We have to film another episode after this, people. James Gray's <laughs> Ad Astra. Somehow a space epic that he made for $80 million before he was taken out of the editing room. $20 million more got pumped in, and then he was not allowed to do any more script updates, so they added Charlie Kaufman, who is an uncredited but definitely paid writer of many I did not know that. That explains a lot. Damn. James Gray said, apart from family issues, that's the hardest thing he's had to endure as a person in his life. Um, this was his most personal film, wow. perhaps, until he made a film that was literally his autobiography. Yeah. Um, which we talked about, Armageddon Time. Shout out. Jeremy Strong sounds exactly like him, by the way. <laughs> he sounds exactly like If you want to know what James Gray sounds like, just go ahead and watch a clip of Jeremy Strong in Armageddon Time. Tommy Lee Jones, the king of getting paid millions of dollars to do two weeks of work. Yeah. <laughs> the king of it. Not even. Gets the second bill. <laughs> he could have filmed this whole fucking shit from his ranch. There was in no post in any of his scenes, really. <laughs> Ruth Nega, who we love, is in this movie too. And then Donald Sutherland gets fourth bill again. Why do I immediately distrust Donald Sutherland every time I see him? JFK. <laughs> I, I don't know why, JFK. but yeah, it's just it's something about that smile. It's like you're up to something. Is it because he ran yeah. the Hunger Games? Yeah, man. If you, want, <laughs> if you want space pirates that are actually cool, unlike Mandalorian season three, you got this movie. Just <laughs> 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 holding the grudge. I'm gonna go ahead and give the synopsis of this film, and then I'm gonna let shut the fuck up and let you guys tell me what you think, what you feel in your rewatch, and of course, let everybody know if you'd seen the movie before. Astronaut Roy McBride. Yeah. Brad Pitt. By the way, Roy McBride is the least sexy name Brad Pitt has ever had in a movie. Roy McBride? It's not a sexy name. This is Brad Pitt. It feels Pitt. believable, though, as that character, though. Yeah. Astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed exposition that now, 30 years oh my later, God. I just realized Roy is short for Elroy. This is the live action Jetsons. <laughs> I thought you were going to go um, L. Ron Hubbard, but you said, yeah, sorry. Jesus Christ, Dave. Why don't we uh, start with our guest? Mark, had you ever oh, seen no. Ad Astra before? <laughs> had you ever seen Ad Astra before? Actually, you know what? Fun fact, I fucking love this movie. I saw nice. it about six times in the theater when it came out, and... I think I've probably seen it maybe a total of like nine times. Holy Not shit. that I'll know anything in detail because I'm an idiot, but I love the movie because I think it's one of those movies I believe you have to have some sort of personal connection with it. It's not a movie that if you had like a great relationship with your father, you're gonna be like, this is the greatest fucking movie ever made. You're probably gonna be like, this movie's depressing pile of shit. But because my father's very distant, and I do feel like the main character, not that I'm as capable as him, but just like hiding emotions and his father being distant and also his father's sort of like almost cultish. Like my dad believed the end of the world was going to happen twice. So I understand those characters. I really want like to unpack isolate. that, but we don't have time. <laughs> like the isolation he feels That's like. That's the episode right there. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I think it's like a good, it's sort of about like breaking Ugh. cycles in families and the frustration of unrealized dreams and missing things that are actually important. 
for these like large scope things that actually don't matter. I think it's a very good film about that. It has a lot of deep meaning and uh, there's a lot of fear. This fucking movie every time makes me cry. I don't know why, but it's very moving to me. So I'm not, that probably won't say anything negative about it because I love every part of it. Even like the space chimps slashing that guy. And when he says like, I've seen that rage before in my father and it's the same rage he's trying to hide. And he's so composed up until the point. What I love about him, he's like a brutally honest character. And the only time he fluctuates for his um, heart rate is when he's lying, which means he's not used to that and he's not comfortable with it. So I think he's, he's a good character. And I love Brad Pitt's performance because it's very subtle. It's extremely quiet. Most of the emotions and expressions are done without dialogue. His message to his father when he decides not to read is heartbreaking. And it's one of his best fucking performances, I think. I love him in this movie. And I will always root for him. And I think this movie got snubbed. <laughs> do I have to drink when I'm gushing, by the way? Yes, you do. Ah, yes. shit. <laughs> this is a damned if you do, Mark damned if you went, don't podcast. I don't have anything good to say. I don't have anything lucid to say about this because I'm a piece of shit. And then he just said the most fucking beautiful, fucking, like literally on the poster like at the above the marquee worthy speech about this movie and i think our listeners know exactly why this movie makes you cry after that opening speech oh my god john recommended this movie so we're gonna punt to dave to make him sit and wait dave you wanted to talk about the robert pattinson space movie i i was like i hadn't seen that and i have seen this and the first time i saw this i did not enjoy it at all Ooh, good setup Um, the second time however I really did because I knew what, like I already knew what was going on. And the, the, the reason I didn't enjoy it the first time is because of the marketing for this movie. They build it as a space action movie because they showed the explosions and the falling and the, you know, the, all the shit that happens in, in space and not the stuff in between, which is where the story's hidden. And so when I went and saw it, I had these expectations of a completely different movie because they marketed it deceptively. So this time I sat down with zero expectations. I've already seen it. Let's go. And I just let myself get caught in the story. This is a fucking great film. Like there's so much subtlety built into it. And like the thing I, I think the thing I like is every image in like the cinematography, the direction and stuff is so immaculately controlled. It never sinks into like the fantastical version of sci-fi, which would have ruined the story that's hidden in amongst. It's like they don't they don't go over the top of the tech. They don't go over the top of the effects. It's yeah, it's very well balanced. I enjoyed it a lot this on the second time round. John. Nice. Am I still fucking delayed, you guys? Well, you're dropping an hour. Yeah. Tough time hearing me and seeing me. No, we can don't, see you. Don't worry about it. I don't want, I, you don't have to beat yourself up over that. Because I might well, I might be I might just go in the other room. Jeff, you wanna do you wanna talk at all? No, you're doing great. In the next room. I'm gonna just carry my computer I in think there. It's okay. What do you guys think? Give him a shot. Wanna talk about this here? Yeah, let's let's give him yeah, a shot. Yeah, see what happens. Give it a shot, and uh, if that if it goes out, we'll let you know. Okay, okay. Uh, I really like this movie, Mark. I was trying to remember if you and I saw it together, or if you and I just ended up talking about it pretty quickly after I saw it, and you had already seen well, it. Seen it I nine times. You got good uh, odds. Texted each other back and forth. I think. Yeah. I have one of those great experiences where not so good for the movie, but I had not seen it near like on opening weekend or maybe even the second weekend, but I went by myself pretty sure to Times Square Dolby and there was like nobody there. So I was in like this theater alone, which was a really powerful way to watch that movie. 
um, this is Heart of Darkness in Space. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, it really is that tale. And uh, if you enjoy broody, reflective, meditative, tonal, very heavy drama stories, you know, there, this is, I, I would be shocked if you didn't respond well to this movie. I really, really liked it when I saw it. And I had a wonderful rewatch last night. I could not agree more, Mark. I think Brad Pitt, I mean, you know, he's just, he's, we know him so well. There's such a strange familiarity when you put a gigantic movie star into a, um, into a film that is supposed to be about a, ver a very specific kind of character. And we all know Brad Pitt. He doesn't usually play parts like this. Uh, when you think back to Apocalypse Now, Martin Sheen was a known actor, but not a gigantic movie star yet. And I think in some ways that allowed him uh, in Apocalypse Now to be a real vessel for that kind of narr narrating character. But Brad Pitt fucking owns this thing. Like you, oh, yeah. you need his stardom. We need yeah. to believe that we know somebody who's that capable. You know, that's almost like this perfect human being and then just deconstruct them. Um, I think it could have been a tall order if it was supposed to be somebody who just looked like that versus Brad Pitt does have like this perfect kind of thing about him and nothing really does seem to get to him. And we love that so much about him. Um, so I think that is absolutely brilliant. Tommy Lee Jones is one of my, my absolute top favorite yeah. actors. So the yeah. performances are not that many characters, but they're so, 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 so strong. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this movie might be at the end of his initial, the tape that Brad Pitt is watching, where he just says, Tommy Lee Jones, basically, it just ends so quickly. A, a shittier actor would have made a real meal out of the final beat, but he basically ends his speech. We're going to find life out there. I love you so much, my son. And I miss you. The way he just goes right into that, I love you, my son, and I miss you. Like, there's just so many moments like that where you can see that we are in a very, very weighty, heavy kind of uh, film. But Brad Pitt's narration is very pedestrian, and it mm. works really well. And I think Tommy Lee's, all his tapings are very scientific and pedestrian, and they don't feel melodramatic. Um, yeah. I think it's visually stunning. I think it's visually... Uh, expressive and not very realistic in an awesome effective way they do a, uh, and they do I a love car chase in zero score. g it's fucking amazing that was such a great scene <laughs> really cool holy shit like the production <laughs> design on this is the music the music's great yeah. isn't it music's isn't yeah. amazing yeah. Score fucking and it blends well awesome with the sound to design the too it's gorgeous <sighs> oh john yeah. froze jeff what about you dude what'd you think <laughs> Oh, weird. I, I you froze on mine and they were not hilarious. Frozen. That was weird. Okay. weird. Um, I should also say I'm, I'm still mad that every time I look up Brad Pitt on IMDb, his producing credits come up first. And like, come on, uh, what the fuck are the odds that somebody's on IMDb looking up to see what movies he's producing? No, they want to see where his face is going to be next. Jesus Christ! I think, it, I think it puts your hired number category like with more credits at the top. Now, I think that's what it does. Oh. Yeah, so you have no course, control over it. Yeah, but if you're a super celebrity with a ton of money in a production company, of course you're going to be producing nine films yeah. a year. But so that goes at the top. Maybe, or maybe he can't afford IMDb Pro. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he can't afford IMDb Pro. Wow. I don't think he has ever visited. IMDb. <laughs> yeah. I disagree. Yeah. I bet you he has. I bet you he looks up his co-stars <laughs> or even people. Shut. You know what? Everybody, shut up. I love this movie. I. I... <laughs> so it's so funny too because this movie. Look, you can't help but comp all the... Why is it that all the space dramas, and by space dramas, I mean not Star Wars, not the Star Trek, although you could argue about the fucking genre. I don't give a shit. But I mean Interstellar, 2001, etc. Mm -hmm. They 
they all seem to be similar in the sense that there's like this, you go far out to try to like understand yourself more and where you came from more and connect more love, gravity, et cetera. Maybe I'm just like lumping them all too much, but it does kind of feel that way. One thing that always happens in these movies that I think this does the best out of all of them. What's the George Clooney one, by the way, during the pandemic, we watched this movie. It was nominated for some Oscars. And I think, Smart. yeah. And I think, I think that movie was good. Mm. But most people, I think, watched it at home, so the reviews weren't very good. It came out late in the season. I think people were tired from a big Oscar. Oh, not Solaris. That year. That's the Soderbergh. You're talking about a Midnight um, Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I exactly, fell asleep exactly. for that one. Um, this movie, ah, it's it. funny when you watch these movies. We say, I feel like one thing that we say all the time, and I feel like even Napoleon probably had to deal with this, is like, how do you get it grounded? Like, grounded in its own, grounded in itself. Everything has to get grounded. When you're there, he's in he's in zero G the whole movie is set in essence. I feel like he's never ground the movie's never grounded. He's never grounded. And that's kind of the point. He's sort of suspended in time on this like bullet stream between Earth and the moon and Mars and and Neptune. And you know, it's it's hard to to tether myself as an audience member while he is so I don't know where he exists. I don't know where he lives. And so where else can you tether besides his inside? And so therefore he does become that, you know, metaphoric vessel that you really want. And through Brad Pitt, I feel like it is not emotionally tiring or even taxing, but there is this like gripping element where it's, it's, it does ask a little bit of an audience member to get on board because you're going. And, and if you ha- if you want to have any idea where we are, you just have to trust him and just connect with him. Because literally, like, if you take your eye off the ball, all of a sudden you're like, wait, am I on Mars now? You know what I mean? Like, where the fuck yeah. am I in space? Like, is this crew gonna die? Like, it's out of nowhere. Like, There's nothing grounding us into any semblance of reality other than emotion, love, all of these things that are universal. And I think through that and through his subtle performance, I think this is one of his best performances of all time. And to me, what's funny about that is his best scene in the movie to me is a scene where he's talking into a microphone to nobody except Mm. for the person who's going to receive this message, I imagine, in a year. It's like it's, it's hard to even equate that to anything else other than I gave myself over and he took me all the way and and it was a really really powerful experience and the heart of darkness thing is great there were some some bumps along the way good bumps i mean not bumps as in filmmaking i mean like action bumps that mm. maybe one could argue the baboons was just like jump scares even though it was really fucking awesome to see that guy try to see the baboon try to bite brad pitt's face off through a space <laughs> yeah. mask that's pretty fun yeah. to see space pirates how are these people up there who is funding them you know like that's all stuff that you yeah, you're be like, kind of rooting for the baboon too it's like but at the same time it, it is kill that motherfucker you could you could purely go the metaphoric route too i just i think i think this is i can't believe they did this for 80 million dollars i imagine a lot of it went to right. sets and just the lighting uh and and brad pitt was just cool with being suspended above ground for hours and hours <laughs> apparently the moon crater was done in death valley but yeah i was oh, wow. I was, i was blown away yeah, well, apparently, like a lot of these, like the space scenes. Once gravity came out and did it, it was it was done. It was easy. Oh, gravity. There's that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Thanks, they, thanks, um, Chivo. Appreciate it. Yeah, because they they develop the techniques. The one thing I want to touch on though quickly is the the writing in this because it's written in such a style. Like, and I I love the uh, the inner monologue as the voiceover. Um, I'm also a sucker for that in uh, Blade Runner. I actually prefer that version where it, where it has the monologue over the top. Um, but the, the writing is such a style where they, they're not give, pulling you, like they're not overselling it. It's like, okay, the moon is divided up into nations. And then while he's having the interaction with the Colonel, 
he's like he's like oh yeah i've done this and and this and he's like ah oh, so you've seen some action and they wrote it in the style that basically he makes a reference to something that happened you don't know what it is but that guy does and your reaction like his reaction dictates how much you should infer from that mm-hmm. so because he's like oh well shit yeah like you're like okay that was a shit show whatever that was you know nothing about it but they've they've communicated it in the most effective concise economical way possible but Just I think I, what I like is reacting. What I like about that is it actually is, it's a script that assumes that your audience is intelligent. They're not spoon feeding you everything. Yeah, you could be. You can infer from small conversations. Like a lot of TV shows and streaming stuff I watch nowadays. It's like it's like these five minute. Like just two characters talking. My brother and I complain about this. We're just two characters talking about some stupid scene that doesn't really fucking matter, and it's supposed to be like this is how you get to know the character. But film is a visual medium. So if you're going to do any explanation, get that shit out of the way real quick and just go back to the visuals because we shouldn't be getting info. It's not an audio dramatization. Yeah. We should be Shard getting stuff town. quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think what I like about this movie, it's like, it's a tragedy, but it's also a very positive one. You actually get, it's, it's, it's pretty short movie to get the entire arc of this character, understand how he behaves and how he actually changes toward the end. Because in the beginning, as he's walking through, he's like, he says, don't, he's always looking for the exit. Don't touch me. And then he meets his father and his father pulls back when he tries to touch him. Mm. And he's like, and I think from that, he realizes that he shouldn't be like his father. And the great way it ends is the way it ends is someone's offering their hand and he takes it and he doesn't like being touched at the beginning, but now he's accepting of it. It's such a simple way to tell the entire story. Just from those opening and closing scenes, it's brilliant yeah. and it's very economic. So I agree with you, Dave. I love mm. that about it. Well, I mean, the best part about the way that's written is when you infer something, your imagination writes something way more detailed than they could possibly put on the page at that point. Yeah. So they they've left it up to the viewer, which makes it like subject a subjective film almost. I love too. It's so simple. Exactly. Sorry, that's, yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. Is that I feel like this is. Uh, again, the other heart of darkness stories that we've seen tend to be subjective. That I think that is the, you know, the the treasure of telling that kind of story. But like use the different kind of film language to do that. The opening moment we haven't talked at all about his relationship with uh, Liv Tyler and the one he keeps referring to. Um, that opening moment where he's standing there and she walks out and leaves the keys. Like how they they try they seem to find like the oh that was a stab. You know, we, it was a stab. Like, t- yeah, it's brutal, right? We, they tend to find like these really essential moments where he's feeling the most of a decision or, um, you know, the fulcrum of a scene, and they only show you that part. Mm. You know, there really isn't a big start late, get out early kind of idea. And, and by doing that, it makes you kind of play catch up to him, which I think going back to what you were saying, Jeff, is, is really effective for this because, because within that subjectivity, you need to only know enough so that hopefully you'll catch up to him feeling all of the problems that we have almost observed only in that journey to Neptune when he's finally consciously reflecting on his flaws. But up until that point, you're trying to kind of figure out like, where is he and how does he feel about this stuff? And I think that's why it's so successful. I don't think you actually know who he is until he gets to his father's ship. And that's why it's so I scary. Think, I don't know. If, I don't yeah, he, he doesn't does either. He, yeah, you know, it's a good <laughs> yeah. magic trick. It's almost like he's. Yeah. Well, it's a good magic trick though, because it, it's he, funny. Like when you, no, it's, go ahead. It's go like ahead. that awkward moment when you realize that your perception of your parent is 
entirely what you imagined when you like come face to face with the reality of what they are now and it's his he he becomes basically not that i don't want to be that i want to be like something else even though in I a think way he's sort of like is... confronting himself basically it's like he he's is. going he to meet himself and he's like oh shit yeah. i don't want to be this version of this guy alone with a goal that pretty much makes no sense for humanity anyway it's like and yeah he, you know and, who gives a shit not, if you know I, if not aliens able, exist yeah. or not you were still on this fucking rock anyway and you got to get along and and develop and relationships not even with not able there. to face the reality of the fact that he was wrong yeah and and he became his dad by killing his sorry we're spoiling this a little bit here of course but he, he killed his crew and 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 we saw what we saw and that's that was really a step yeah you know but, but it was like, kind of a cool parallel between him like his father killing the crew and then when roy has to kill the crew of the spaceship that he's going with yeah and you're like oh shit he's like it's sort of like you can see the parallels well, one oh is my God. done as a choice and the other one is done as a reaction yeah my but wife and i got that, my wife and i got a disagreement still there about the the death of the ones on the ship that he commandeered um that he snuck onto because it, it was on, it was yes. like he she's like i'm well why why are they treating him like this it's like i'm like well because he snuck onto the ship he caused their death and she's like well no if they listened to their captain and got back in their seats they'd still be alive i'm like oh shit we're both right <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah you know what else he he's not the he, captain. He's no. a captain but he's but not the, the guy someone was yet. shouting at her to get back in her seat they're about to hit the rockets um oh yeah. really just before that oh, happened that's that. where that's when the rockets are. i thought over the comms I thought over the comms you heard destroy him at all costs. Yeah, that was or, that was know, ground. Um, you know, someone in, on the ship was shouting, "We're about right. to, we're about to engage thrusters. Get back in your seat." And they didn't. They went for him anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, they did. You know what? You know what else is really cool about yeah. this this movie is there's a lot of stuff that if you want, if you want the TikTok generation to only pick apart certain scenes, it has that element that like Star Wars has, where like a ship can just like crash land on a planet and the ship's the size of like a rowboat and it just flew from like a trillion miles away and then they're like hey i need this ready in four hours and they're like got it and then they're like okay in four hours they just go get lunch and come back and then they just fly away again like obviously that doesn't happen here but the money the expense all of the crash landings are almost crash landings. All of the destruction, all of the shit, and they just keep going. If only the MTA could fix one <laughs> fucking switch on their track within four hours without ruining everyone's fucking life. And here they are crash landing a spaceship and they're like, yeah, that'll be fine to fly in a couple hours. Well, the, M- like, the MTA but, doesn't exist inside a mole. But, it's, <laughs> but in truth, like, but even like the, whatever they did in the spaceship, like I would have thought it would have been like an F1 car where if they like tap each other, it's like my wings destroyed. I have to come <laughs> in. Oh, my sweet little wing because somebody fucking tapped me because the cars are made so specifically for aerodynamics. They are like any protective layer just adds weight. So they can't have any for my F1 fans. Look, just looking at you, Vegas. Week. Max Verstappen. Yes, Secure Vegas. Secure your manholes. In this movie, it's like it, there's a Actually, whole battle. Well they're, firing, they're firing weapons inside the spaceship and it's totally flyable. Yeah. It's like you could you could totally get even Brad Pitt. Oh, it's like 2.14 billion miles. Be there in no time. Oh, I have an idea. I'm just gonna use this shield like I'm fucking Princess Leia in the rewrites after she died of the second the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movies. And I'm just gonna go from one spaceship to the other, perfectly on sync. And it's but, but no, I'm making a point here because I'm making a point. Yes, I am. Fuck, it's gonna overflow. Come on. <laughs> 
I'm making a play because that's not what we're talking about. And I know I'm bringing it up now, but that's not the stuff that we're talking about because if, if you're a good filmmaker, you do it well enough. And, and they, he, James Gray said he wanted to make the most realistic space film ever made, which, you know, the, I don't know why anybody would even try to do that at this point, but like, that's what he wanted to do for $80 million. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the, the, how does spaceships land? How did he, how did he get from Neptune to earth? Why doesn't he have lateral velocity? How does he eat? Does he pee? Where did he poop? Like, did he poop? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, like, yeah, that's, well, wait, 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 Star, guys. Star Trek has a whole thing about that. John has an Elon Musk shirt, so he has to tell us. Also, I love the recruitment yes. scene at the beginning. Very similar to Apocalypse Now, but I loved it. And it's, it's so simple. That's the reason the script can be chill is it's like, hey, well, you fell thing. from, you fell almost to your death. You survived. That's a normal thing in this world. But we didn't call you in to do a debrief yeah. like fucking Moonfall. Shout out Moonfall, where we need to debrief everything. Actually, what well, can you tell me about this? I'm you know that this. Piece yes, of that's shit. right. Because that's your dad. We're going to send you. And they used the dad to hook, line, and sinker him. And then they used him as bait to get the messages out. And then they were going to send it back. It's so fucking simple. It's so fucking simple, even though we're bouncing around planets. It's so simple. I loved it. <laughs> There's also a theme that we haven't, we haven't really talked about of. Yes, there's all this money and space con like this. I guess it's a corporation. Yeah. Um, you know, that is, it's been privatized now. Shout out Elon Musk, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that, that these things are happening. Well, Johnny's getting she Johnny's she, to get buzzer count up. She says, thank you for flying with us. And my wife's like, well, what choices do they have? I'm like, well, obviously Amazon and SpaceX. Like, <laughs> Good point. Hey. They do land the rockets in this movie the way they land rockets at SpaceX. So maybe they yeah. land something. Um, John knows. But, um, but I feel like it is a. What they crashed? I feel like there is something to be said about um, about the final observation that he makes with his father. People, he's like, "Don't let me fail, son. Don't let me have failed." And he said, "You didn't fail, Dad. Now we know. We're all we've got." That's it. And if you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail me. So there, I do think there is some commentary, and Elon Musk probably wouldn't like this, and I, I don't think they're trying to say that. That the only reason to explore space is for that, but this movie says explicitly in the pre-script it is the reason that they are looking to the stars. Mm. That is the mission statement yeah. uh, to find life in other places. But I love that sequence at the end of those beautiful, incredible images of these other planets and how there's nothing there, and just the, the terror, the, the terror of realizing that we might actually be alone in terms of life, but there is this, you know, space in these uh, locations where we can at least expand to. Um, but I think they did a really good job subtly without it being like a major in your face uh, obstacle plot point of what isolation does as you move away, uh, mm. the further and further away you get from home. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of brings me to this point where I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I think I think it doesn't bother me. You know, when you have a plant and payoff, sometimes they're necessary just for that's how we write screenplays because you got to think about it. When Donald Sutherland plants, son, I feel like I need to tell you, I have done this for a long time. And I got to, you know, sometimes I have seen people use space exploration as a way to escape being here. Yeah. In a way to justify running from their problems. Do you think that that, did that work for you? Do you think that needed to be said? Or could we have discovered that by just watching the movie build up to a place where Tommy Lee Jones lives that I, I feel I think like it, that i think that thought needed to be put in his head 
it adds a bit of suspense it adds a bit of too. suspense to it because you're like oh shit is he is he the one firing these these particle beams is he it it, it makes him more mysterious cuz you don't know what he's doing out there he's just so you have all this conjecture but I think all it does is it it yeah. throws confusion into your mind so you can't really guess what's happening. But it's also, by the way, going back to your point, John, I love that it's about, like, most movies are about, like, and then there's alien life, and then the aliens are going to... I love the fact that this is a movie about, like, aliens don't exist, and it's, like, now there's proof that we're alone. I fucking love that. It's so different yeah. to me. Yeah. And I think it makes it... it and, I don't know, it and gives it more... Think yeah, very... we're alone and we've turned the moon into a fucking Westfield. But I think it gives us a bit... <laughs> Westfield! To, to, me, to me, honest, it's sort of like it gives humanity Westworld. some Westworld. perspective because it's like, does, it, does our existence really matter if there's aliens or not? And some people are like, oh no, we're alone in the... Who gives a fuck? You know, we're alive. Yeah. We should be celebrating that. We shouldn't have to realize that oh there's fucking aliens that yeah. validates our existence you know what i mean and mm. I, I love that message of the film it's not about who gives a fuck if aliens exist or not yeah. the fact that we're alive and we can interact with each other and love each other that's great in of it itself that's already a miracle you know it doesn't stop. have to be about fucking aliens all the time you know stop giving nasa all our money i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah. that's not the <laughs> um, yeah. but- Wait, to, to finish, to, to, to answer John's question really quick and then to come back to what Mark was saying. To John's question, the answer to that question, should Donald Sutherland have said that line, only matters depending on how Brad Pitt responds to it. And you know Brad Pitt, he nailed his response. Because if Brad Pitt goes, oh, then he overplays like, that message, right? If Brad Pitt does nothing, then it's obviously redundant in a different way. That's going to be but relevant what's later. more important is, do we see that Brad Pitt already knew that? Do we see that Brad Pitt learned that lesson? He gets to decide mm. as the actor if that line is important or not. Mm. And I feel like James Gray trusts his actor. And also maybe he just needed to give Donald Sutherland that little... So maybe he it was a little bit of a compromise. He needed to give Donald, Donald Sutherland... Donald Sutherland probably wrote his own line. He's no, notorious for it. Well. But I, I also think like Brad Pitt's yeah, character yeah, right. understands that because also when he finally meets his dad and his father's like, I never cared about you. And he goes like, I know, dad. That is like, I think he understands already what's happening with his father. He did that to his family too, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so John, what are you... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's a... Just not not to give too much credit to Brad Pitt, he did a really great job, but that is on the page for him too. He's not ready to learn that lesson. So of course he's not going to hear it. Mm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you guys guys agree. Let's celebrate... um, I mean, the, the Liv Tyler stuff worked really well for me this time. I think in theaters, the first time I saw it, I was a little bit like, uh, is this, you know, is it... Is it really just pointing us at those kinds of moments that are like, and you know, we've all seen those kinds of moments before, but I thought it worked really well this time. And I think it was because I was just so, I was so emotionally affected by Brad's performance when he's waiting for her in that bar at the end. I don't know. It really got me. Um, but the performance I really want to talk about for a second is we were kind of jack laughing and joking about it, but we're probably not wrong. I think Tommy Lee Jones was probably on this movie for less than a few yeah. weeks. He was probably just doing, you know, a sporadic schedule over a couple of weeks and the vulnerability, can you imagine being alone for over 30 years and then your grown-ups, the fear in his yeah. eyes when that shot, that wonderful, incredible trucking shot that takes Brad up and approaches Tommy Lee, the look on his face. First of all, I feel like it's important to remind people who maybe aren't as familiar with his work because you know he's getting older and I think a lot of generations who are growing up now probably didn't watch all of his movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
he never played parts like the vulnerability that he shows in this. I cannot remember other than Lincoln, him doing something that has this amount of vulnerability. The fear that was in his eyes, it's hmm. incredible. He is a fucking master. He walked on set, played that scene for over like two days and left. Like, I just can't, I just can't, I can't even imagine doing that. He Son, killed it. He yeah, totally yeah, killed I got, it. I got, I got the feeling he asked all the right questions of the director and just oh, yeah. nailed it. Also, I love that he had the high ground. So Brad Pitt's looking up and he's like, yeah. son, is that you? Like the first person he's, he's asking, like, is that you, son? Which he, of course he knows it is. What the fuck else is it going to be? But I, I maybe it could have been other people. Would he have preferred the crew of three? Would well, he, he does have cataracts, so. You know, yeah. he does mention yeah. that he has cataracts and he doesn't yeah. see well. So. His teeth are probably fucked too. Where what is he eating? <laughs> Spam, Dave? Well, they had <laughs> like, the hydroponics. I think he floats no, think through it... a hydroponics section of the ship before he goes to see uh, his father. There's that flashing. The name awesome. of the gra- the name of that weed is anti gravity or whatever their the rays are in. Uh, they are fucking um, unlike Apocalypse Now, where I feel like the further they go up that river it's almost like the more life they encounter and it turns into different life. And he's almost overwhelmed by eventually the Colonel having control over this like entire new world that he doesn't yep. understand. He's gone native. Is, they do such a good job. I think of this being the exact opposite. Um, but I mean, again, I just can't help but imagine the filmmaking. Like I don't even think they were on wires for their real tight close-ups at the end oh, of the no let way. me go, no, no, the no, let no. me go sequence. I yeah, I don't know. And I mean, that is, I, I ever since seeing this movie, and I listen to that music sometimes to let me uh, let me go. But it is I that is one of those moments that was etched into my mind. I say that that sequence in my head all the time. The power in Tommy Lee's performance. You got to let me go, Roy. Yeah. Oh, by, yeah. by the way, but also I mean, also like in fucking Tommy Lee's that yeah. scream Brad Pitt does and that extreme oh, yeah. wide shot who's, who's is fucking is so. It's, you, I think it's Brad Pitt. He's finally that buildup of emotion and he's mm. finally let his father go yeah. he's released that it and is, it's that it is it's sort of like it's sadness it's cathartic but he's he can move on with his life but unfortunately mm. he has to let go of his dad to do so and the, i don't think i've heard a couple people tell me that like the live tyler seems like oh, she's only in it she's kind of a throwaway but you really need her it's like that's to show his change the change from like her leaving him and him just being like in his own thoughts in his head on that couch and then him choosing to come back and build that relationship it's a ama- it's a fucking fantastic movie and i love that about it it's a very it seems tragic but it's also a very positive movie and it shows that uh, your control of yourself is not your heart rate it's like your control is your ability to let yourself hmm open up to other people and have them receive that and do the same thing to someone else. It's not the like locking your emotions away inside this body and just think, Oh, I can't go over 86 on my heart rate. You know, that that's actually, he is imprisoning himself by doing that. Compartmentalization is not good for your kids. Uh, I just, I just want to also point out uh, one thing that they laid breadcrumbs for. Um, because lens Mo- Ad Astra too? No, the, uh, <laughs> the no. My wife was like, "What's he doing in a bar? Like, why is he not being court-martialed?" And I'm like, "They laid the groundwork for this all the way through the film. Like, his dad did all this shit, and they covered it up. Like, they knew that he'd already killed all the crew out there, and they covered it up the and made him a hero because they didn't want it to get out because it's a corporation." And yeah. it, it kind of laying those that groundwork and then him in the bar meeting up with her would, when they helped him out of the ship, next thing he's in the bar, it implies they've done the same thing to him. Well, to me, they've well, like, here's the thing. is to swept he, the three people well, he killed actually, under the rug. 
he, here's the thing is like his father has just that yeah. really uh, crazy, almost event horizon style audio clip, right? But he mentions that he's sending back that information in the feed and history will be his judge. So I think they can assume from that that he wasn't in the wrong. And also he did do, he followed through, he destroyed the Lima project. So he completed yeah. the task. He, he and, saved, he and saved the world. it was unfortunately an accident that he killed those people. And yeah. And he but did, I, I, it wasn't really I personally him. It think was that, just I personally really think they swept the whole almost. thing under the rug and made him a hero, just like they did with his father earlier. Um, and that's why he was sitting in that bar. Well, let's bring it home. Let's bring it home because I want to. I want to bring up just because we said it at the top. There were so many movies this year that did like crazy numbers, and mostly coming out of a very large corporation that has a lot of power with really good marketing. But you know, a movie like this, which I think we all thought it was pretty good. This was a really good adult drama. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just takes me back to my song I keep singing. Everybody went and saw movies that um, are, are maybe we could. I don't want to get into the weeds of saying like whether or not we thought they were good, but they were a certain kind of movie, mostly franchise, mostly recognizable IP. This movie did make its money back worldwide. I think it did 150 something with an 80 million dollar budget. You know, that's not a failure, no. but I mean. I still just think like this is a sign of the times. It's a real travesty. There were this was one of the best years of the decade, in my opinion, for the the adult movies, the Oscar movies, and uh, you know. But I think sadly the takeaway was that people did go to the movies that year, just not those movies. They went and saw the big yeah. ones, and I don't know. I, I still just think that's a real sign of the times, and I I think it's fucking bullshit. And if you're out there and you're listening to this, it's your, it's your fault. Take a chance I mean, and go I see was, the holdovers. Yeah, yeah, go I see mean, the holdovers. It is your I fucking have fault. Change. Yes. Don't see fucking Endgame for the third I, I, time. I, I must say, you know? I, since we came back from pandemic, I have noticed a change in the screenings we're going to, uh, because like you go to the big blockbusters and the audience is half full, but you go to, for instance, Armageddon time, and it was packed. The theater was packed. I hope it's just the so New York like City the indies thing, are though, definitely you know? getting. We're seeing Armageddon time in New York City, right? Where there's like, yeah, know. but like that's the thing. It's it's still packing cinemas in New York City, but the other ones aren't. The suburban like the versus rural divide, or the yeah. urban versus uh, rural divide. Dave, how packed was how packed was your theater for the Marvel? I would say a third. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. not very good. No, it in was New not York good City. at all. <laughs> I all was, right, at, mind you, I was seeing it at nine thirty in the morning because I had to go to set straight up on the back of that. Like I had gear pickups <laughs> to do and then go straight to set for the weekend. Well, yeah. But so nine thirty in the morning, a third full is not bad. In the morning. That's true. Well, I'll wrap this up by Brad Pitt talking about all the yeah. data that they collected from all the the stars, the pictures of all the planets and everything, and the quote that Tom, that Brad says about Tommy Lee Jones's work. They were beautiful, all the planets, all the you know celestial sights that they saw. But underneath them, there was nothing. No love or hate. All he saw was what wasn't there and missed what was right in front of him. And so back to that moment where he finally sees his son again. 30 years, no, I'm going to keep looking. I don't care about you. I didn't care about your family. But he's like, oh, wait, I was wrong in a way. Or I, you know, I learned a lesson or something. In a way, and then he's like, wrong. cut me away. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm gone. But you can go home. And then Brad Pitt's like, I can't wait to show my son this. And it's like, your son? What? You better start going, get back, get into some baby making as soon as you get back. Um, I thought this movie was fucking cool. I'm really glad we chose it. Yeah. By the way, I think his father lets himself go. One of my thoughts was that he does it because he's also come to the re realization that all of his actions he's done, there's no way for him to reintegrate. Yeah. Like he has to pay for what he did. Sure. You know? 
like the daughter of yeah. one of the crew the crew members he killed her parents you know yeah. there's Ruth Nega, and yeah, she knows awesome. it there there's consequences to that so i mean he I was too far he gone understands as well that. Like, yeah he, he knows every, he can't every, go back ho- to like he's well, been away for too long yeah. he's been alone his whole you know? reality is broken like he, everything yeah. he bet his life on by Can the I way, I, can't, I see that. True. By the way, I do see that with my dad too. It's this tr- not to bring it back to like hey, me and my dad, but uh, if here's the, the example: is like when I go see my dad, and it's been such a long time because he's not really into like having visitors. There's this, there's these moments where he's upset and annoyed that I'm there, and I have to stay there for like after the first day. Then he understands that he they has to like reintegrate and, and socialization is practice and. Yeah. If you, you know, don't have it and you're he, isolated, it totally changes your perceptions of things. And I think it makes it a lot harder for you to come mm-hmm. back to people and interact with them because you now see them almost as a nuisance, which is why his father reflexively pulls back from him because he's he's alone. He doesn't really want anyone there, to be honest. You know, do you get, He'd do you get nervous when he forever. hands you a drink? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, my dad's a very <laughs> sweet person. He's just yeah. has isolated himself, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. I think I'm every like, I think every family yeah, in America no, Mark, has totally one of those right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you're totally Mark, you're totally right though. He has that line about the um uh I will be and be with others, their burdens will be my yeah. burdens. Like that anyone who's been like maybe single for too long or has kind of lived an isolated <laughs> existence, everybody coming out of the pandemic, I think we're I think we're, we all kind of remembered this movie probably would have done really well coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, actually. I think it just so happened. Too. Like a year or two. I think I, I, I want to. Uh, be honest, come out in I think I actually watched this in 2020. <laughs> sure. Um, um, been can I just say my favorite line in the whole film is when in in the uh, voiceover where he's like, "We are world eaters," because they con- they yeah. conquered the moon and turned it into a strip mall, basically. Yeah, and they have like the DHL a, logo, and that yeah. like, there's like some Japanese restaurant that's a chain. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm going down with this ship. I'm not leaving this fucking planet. You people that are like, let's go out there. I'm like, you guys are insane. This is so dumb. Can we just fix this planet? We don't need many more people. Yeah. Fewer people. And don't stop fucking with our resources. And stop. Just stop fucking in general. Stop. Ever since this fucking 1982 <laughs> Ronald Reagan SEC st- fucking stock by all these corporations take our fucking liquid money and throw it up into the cloud, a.k.a. their stock price. And it's pretend money until we sell it or until it falls dramatically because of nothing. It's bull. <laughs> Bullshit. Our our resources are getting plummeted and they're getting turned into a fucking cloud storage. It's bullshit. I fucking hate it. And there's no way that anybody's gonna be able to afford $150 for a fucking pillow on a fucking flight. <laughs> okay, move. boomer. It's okay. It's $125, Jeff. <laughs> it's only gonna make us poorer in the long run. Oster Mueller, hate stock buybacks. Fuck your shareholders. Fuck your 401ks. Stock buybacks <laughs> are the dumbest piece of shit that's ever happened in this planet. You know, if, if we leak this podcast, he'd probably get all the votes. <laughs> Guys, honestly, drop the mic, dude. Guys, That's great. We've, we're, we're running long here. We've only got Frozen two in our next episode, so I think we should do. Talk, you guys talk. We're 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 a pop the trunk podcast, meaning whatever's inside the trunk is what's inside the trunk. We're gonna find out together. Where did all these fuckers come from? <laughs> I say we do what you've been watching after Frozen two, but I think we should spin the random wheel generator here. Fight me on it. What do you guys think? Sure, let's spin let's here. spin the wheel, little man. Let's fucking do it. Okay, let's spin. Let's so this is what we're going to talk about next week. Let's go. Two. Zero. Zero. Two hundred? <laughs> Seven. Two thousand. Seven. 
There will be blood. Ooh. Oh my god. No country for old men. Do they come in the same year? Yeah, bro. Atonements. Stop gri start griping. This is the best Oscar <laughs> category of all time. Supporting actor, which by the way yes, is quite a year. No, wait, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's a different year. But it's there's some good shit called, Daniel the best winner circle maybe of all time. You got Daniel Day Lewis, you've got fucking Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men. You've got Tilda Swinton for Michael Clayton and supporting actress, and then you've got fucking La Vian Rose, one of the greatest bio and biopic is like the, the one of the greatest performance categories of all time. But you've got fucking Mary. Marion Cotillard in La Vie en Rose. Welcome to the planet of an English-speaking, movie-going fucking culture. Oh my God, what a winner's circle. So what That's are we going to do? Do we want to take a sec? Do we want to hit our marks and hit talk marks. about it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Dave, do you Let's want to talk about it now or do we want to pause? And we're back. All right. Next week, film fans, you're going to have 2007. to Let's talk about 2007. The movie we have de decided. Shit. It was the a very short <laughs> argument, actually. It actually was pretty quick. I do have to pee yeah. too, so that helped. But I think <laughs> my friend John made the right suggestion. We are going to be reviewing David Fincher's Zodiac. Ooh. Which is a movie that's Zodiac. somehow in the award season kerfuffle got swallowed alive by all these other movies but in truth it is so good i've seen it twice and it, it's been years apart and there's it's so good and i can't wait to rewatch it and talk about it with you all i've never finished watching it by the way because ah, see my, in my theater the uh they started doing like work and just all of a sudden like when they're about to talk to the killer or something these drills just went off up until the end of the movie so no one could hear wow. any dialogue. oh my god that's so funny amc Times Square? <laughs> yeah! Of course! <laughs> we oh, love my God. oh my God. Zodiac next week. Also, we'll do our What You've Been Watching after our Frozen 2 episode, which, come on, guys, this is like part A, part B. You've got to listen to Frozen 2 after this. And if you listen to Real Time, thank you so much. We appreciate you being a supporter. Can't wait to see you on Thursday when we talk about Frozen 2. Anything else before we go, my friends? Hit us up on socials. Yes! Come Hit at us. phone number as well. Check we out the have. Matt and Mark movie show. Oh yeah, we should play <laughs> here as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> met with silence. It's a great show, everybody. <laughs> oh wait, here you go. <laughs> ah shit. <laughs> the Mad Marshall.